head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 298 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast, a.k.a. The Pod God, joined today by the Britney Spears of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about a, a pretty big week in the in the world of mixed martial arts, big fights last night, and obviously big fights coming up again uh, next week. And as we do that, this uh, episode of the podcast is presented by our friends over at Manscaped. So Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas, and make sure you're ready for whatever the night may bring. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you'll be ready for the special day two million men are already trusting manscaped products to groom uh make sure you're one of them myself and graham obviously have been using them we talked about ryan gigs last week using them as well so it's uh everyone around everyone around the world is using them also they're they're absolutely fantastic so you can do your uh your girl can't think of what to get you this year tell her to get you uh some manscaped best way to get started is with the manscaped perfect package 3.0 uh it's led by the revolutionary third generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer uh which which is skin safe technology with a ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents it's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower and keep the bathroom floor clean and let's be real we smell worse down there uh so you can use a crop preserver and crop reviver as well uh, to stop our boys from uh, sweating and uh, get them smelling nice up um these products smell really good. Their manly scent is attractive and will set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers, which are absolutely fantastic. They keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those old pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Easily the comfiest I've ever had, 100%. Um, and complete the grooming game with the new refined cologne, which will be coming out soon as well. This is a perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Happy Valentine's Day from Manscaped. You know, if you help help us, help you, uh, and every, everyone gets a good, good deal off of that. I feel like 20% off. I know we've said it before and stuff, but then the free shipping is, is an absolutely fantastic deal. So uh, head on over there, manscaped.com, use the promo code SEVEREMMA. MMA, Graham. How are things? How, how's your uh, How's your week been? Yeah, it's all good. All good. I woke up a bit late today, but uh, besides that, I'm all good. Yeah, you went full fucking Andrew McGahan on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually before we we get into the podcast. It was six years today since, uh, or not today, yesterday or the day before, since the first ever episode of the Severe MMA podcast. So, um, you know, it was, it's been a, a good six years. Obviously, a lot of people. A lot of people have been there since the very start. A lot of people have stuck with us, obviously, through Andrew, the first, what, 91 episodes or 92 episodes or something like that. And then us, we're coming up on number 300. So we've been doing it, Jesus, over 200 episodes, the two of us. So it's uh, it's been pretty good. And thanks to everyone who has uh, supported us along the way. There's been, we're coming up on a million people having listened to the podcast here in, in the next couple of months or so. So that's absolutely insane. So fair play to each and every one of you and everyone who signed up on uh, on Patreon as well. We we really appreciate you. And you know, without the people on Patreon, we probably still wouldn't be doing it. And, you know, hopefully it grows a little bit more and we'd be able to do uh, even more. I was looking at, like, our numbers we've done. Like, I think we're only six away from doing exactly one podcast every week on this, which is pretty crazy. If you think you're only taking six weeks off in six years, is absolutely insane. And then with, obviously, the Patreon podcast for the last two years and stuff as well, we've uh, we've put out an awful lot of stuff there. So, um... I'm I'm proud of it. It's for six years, the last six years, I'm I'm pretty proud of the work we've done. You know, um, talking about stuff and uh, one piece of it which we'll get into today, which happened on last cards, which I'm 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 glad we've said before. But anyway, what what are your reflections, Graham, on the on the six years of the Severe of May podcast before we get into the the MMA, which everyone cares about? Yeah, I was surprised to see it was six years. It's it's a long time, but uh, 
I suppose when you think about it, it makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's great. People still uh, listen, supporting us, enjoying, and especially as you said, all the Patreon people uh, keeping us going, uh, paying the bills, and keeping the website and everything, everything uh, above above board <laughs> not above board but uh, afloat <laughs> afloat indeed yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and above board sometimes well, sometime that time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah it's been, obviously been really good thanks to you know loads of people have obviously been on Jeremy Botter helped out a lot and Philip O'Connor was on the podcast a good few times and Andy Stevenson and Ian and Jake and obviously Andrew McGahan we can't forget Andrew he's on the, the start every week so um yeah, it's been, uh, and I'm probably, Damon Martin was on once as well, I think, and, you know, so there's been a lot of people on, and fair play to each and every one of them, and obviously, again, fair play to each and every one of you for listening, we, we couldn't do it without you, and, like, it's it's one of those things where, I like, I was never a really great writer, or never really enjoyed it that much, I loved MMA, and obviously, I always wanted to, to be a part of it, and do my picks and stuff, which have kind of gone by the wayside, because they're terrible now, but, uh, I think talking shite has always been my, uh, <laughs> my go-to and my best thing to do so getting getting this podcast started and uh dragging andrew mcgahan along with me for a while has been uh was, was probably a, one of the best ideas i've ever had so i'm i'm glad i did it uh and i'm glad i uh i dragged you along with me as well graham later on when uh when andrew flew the nest and went away over to uh conormcgregor.com wherever he, <laughs> wherever he went though so uh thanks everyone uh, we we really appreciate you, right? Let's get into this uh, this card from last night. And the, like the, the thing I was getting to there about like something I've been proud about, and it's not really proud, but it's I'm glad I've been on kind of the right side of history of it, and not to not to blow my own trumpet or anything, because it's not just me. It's actually, and and I'm what I'm talking about is Frank Edgar and what happened to him last night and the way he got knocked out, like. Not, I'm not, this is not, oh, I told you so, but why didn't other people tell you is what I want to know, you know, we, I came on this podcast, what was it, a year ago, or may, maybe even more, and said, like, Frank Edgar, right, has had his run, he went, and he became a champion, uh, he went and he defended the belt, he had some great fights, you know, fought BJ Penn in a couple of really close fights, drew with Graham Ennard, you know, came in and, um, and beat him after that, Two fights with Benson Anderson came in and fought Jose Aldo uh, down at featherweight, and he was still right in it. Then you know came back, beat Charles Oliveira, BJ Penn, and uh, you know earned his shot again, hundred percent earned it, and fought Jose Aldo for the title, lost again, and you know got his way back. Okay, he took that big Brian Ortega knockout and got his way back into another title shot against Max Holloway and lost it unanimously. Now. I think a lot of people, myself included, argued maybe that was he got the he got the the way the uh, title shot off of one win against Cobb Swanson when he'd be knocked out against Ortega. So whatever that argument's for another day. But when when he got that and when he lost it, that was the time. So that was in two thousand and nineteen, right? He lost his UFC lightweight title in two thousand and twelve. So there was seven years between there. I think seven years, kind of looking to get back there again and failing to get back there. I think that's enough, especially when you're someone who has taken as much damage and been in there as long as Frank Edgar has. Just a couple of stats here, right? So, Frankie is number three in the most decision wins in UFC history. He's number seven in the longest average fight time. He's number four in strikes landed. And this UFC stats website doesn't uh, say strikes uh, consumed. So, I'd say he'd be up there on that as well. And he's number one in fight time, seven hours, 40 minutes and 51 seconds. You cannot spend that much time in a UFC cage and get away with it as much as Frankie Edgar has without being knocked out over and over again. Over again, Frankie's last what six fights he's been knocked out cold three times. We all remember the Brian Ortega one, the Chan Sung Jung one, and last night again. That's what happens when you keep going too long, and that's exactly what's happened to Frankie Edgar here. There was n- absolutely no need for what happened to Frankie last night to happen. After that, uh, Chan Sung Jung fight. The one he after he lost to Max Holloway, we knew everyone knew at that point it was never getting better from Frankie Edgar. He was never going to win a championship one forty five again. Going down to one thirty five, you know he got a, a fight against Pedro Munoz and he did well. A close fight, you know he could have lost, he could have won it. I thought he performed well, but it was against a favorable matchup. 
anyone with any head in their shoulders at all would have told you when he came up against someone really fast who he and Santiago was so much taller than him, bigger than him, who he couldn't be the bigger guy against, he was going to struggle and probably get knocked out. And that's exactly what happened here again. This was to me like the pro this is a huge problem with MMA, and it's not just Frank Yeager. I think it's we all have a responsibility, whether it's the media or whether it's the fans, and not in a nasty way or anything, but I think we should like these guys should be ushered out of the sport at this point it's not like you know Wayne Rooney gone down and playing for fucking Derby or playing for DC United for a few years after he's lost his legs no he's not harming anyone that's not harming anyone Frank Yeager has been seriously harmed by this you cannot go in there and have the fights like he's had against Jose Aldo against Gray Maynard back in the day you know knocked out against Brian Ortega knocked out against Chan Sung Jung knocked out against Corey Santagin five rounds with Pedro Munoz you know loads of decisions going to a decision with Charles Oliveira even BJ Pin back in the day ten rounds against him ten rounds against Vincent Henderson you cannot come out of that unscathed and Frankie got to almost the end of his career and he was very nearly unscathed in terms of knockouts in terms of big heavy damage but he just went a little bit too long and now he's no longer there and he has got make no mistake about it he's gone too far now and this is it's to me last night i couldn't even enjoy that knockout it was just so sad to see like is I, I i i you know and looking through his um looking through frank yeager's record as well if you look at his ninth fight there Spencer Fisher was the guy he fought in his ninth fight, the one before he lost to Graham Maynard. And looking at that name there, I'm like, I really don't want Frank Edgar to be the next Spencer Fisher, you know? I really don't want that. And that's, it's a sad situation that fighters have to keep going. When they had been a champion, when they'd fought in championship fights, like Frankie, Frankie must be one of the guys who's earned more money than anyone else in, in the history of the UFC, you know, in terms of like, if you take away Conor McGregor, if you take away John Jones, maybe Ronda Rousey, he has to be up there. He's been in lots of title fights and still he can't retire. Still he has to go chasing it. That's a sad situation our sport is and we need to do something about it. What, what, but, yeah. but how do you stop him? You know, uh, like his coaches or his family have to stop him. Like if, if the UFC were to, were to let him go or let us run out of his contract or whatever, he, if he wants to fight, he's going he's gonna to fight. Um you know, um, and if some, if for example, a Bellator or a KSW sign them, they're not going to want to put them in like easy matchups. They're going to want to kind of make names for their for their guys of them uh, more than likely. So, you know, that's kind of the catch twenty two of, of MMA. Like, you know, um, you can in the past Dana would like you know get some like kind of Matt Hughes or Chuck Liddell job that isn't really a job in the UFC, but that's gone now. So, mm -hmm. you know, they all got they all got let go and uh, Endeavor and and all took over. So. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not you... necessarily blaming the UFC though. I'm I'm talking about the sport in general. And you know, I think you're no, I, I know that. But yeah. yeah, but how do you how do you retire these guys unless they retire themselves? And these guys, like you know, as you said, we've seen it time and time again. These guys don't retire at the right time. They don't retire anywhere near the right time. They keep going until the wheels fall off. Yeah, but uh, it's a weird because like this when I said like the sport, I mean Frankie himself. I mean Mark Henry. I mean his family. I mean you know Ricardo Almeida, whoever is is training with him as well. Like, it's, it's it's crazy that, like, all these people can kind of come around and come to, like, a logical decision. Like, Frank Yeager goes in there and, and he fights someone, you know, like a, a BJ Pin back in the day. And they make logical decisions to make right game plans to fight this guy. And they do it over and over and over again. Like, don't tell me that Frankie didn't know that, like, after he got knocked out by Chan Sung Jung, after losing to Max Holloway, seven years after he last lost his title, or none of his team didn't know that that was only going to get worse for Frankie. Come on, like, these people aren't fucking idiots, like. And that's the problem. We need, like, we, it's like throwing in the towel as well in fights. It's just, we need more people doing it. We need more people with more balls and who are not just going to think about their 10 or 15% that they're getting from this fighter uh, who will have their best interest at heart. And I know that's a tough thing as well. And maybe I'm looking for something that is non-existent, something that can never happen, something that will never happen. But I feel like I have a responsibility and, you know, people talking about this have the responsibility to talk about it. Because who was that? I, I was on a podcast. I don't know, was it Ariel or someone who was talking to in the last few weeks and talking about retirement? And I hate when people covering the sport say, I don't want to call for this guy's retirement. Why? Like, if you see a guy getting knocked out over and over and over again, why should you not want to call for his retirement? Why should you not want to call for this guy getting less brain damage to end his career why would you not want to call for that like like and it's not let's say there's a fighter and he's you know 10 fights into his career and he's been knocked out a few times and look 
if you're even at that, at that point you probably should be as well but i'm saying like at least he someone like that has the ability to get back to it you know has the ability to you know make improvements take a year out do what they need to do maybe get you know like look at Aaron pico the perfect example he'd be knocked out a few times but there's like we're not coming in writing him off saying he should retire or whatever he's changed up his style to make it you know, to, to, to change the game, to make it a little bit easier for him. Now he'll have to adjust back, as we've spoken about before, to get back to what makes him the better fighter. But he has time, and he, you know, he can do that. Frank Yeager can't. You know, Frank Yeager, okay, he can make adjustments, he can do different things if he's going into another fight. You know, he might go in, and they might give him Dominic Cruz in his next fight, and he might, you know, he might win that fight. But he's going to come up against a Marlon Moraes after that, or he's going to come up against a Peter Gann or an Aljamain Sterling, and it's going to be a bad night for him again. And that's the problem. That that's that's a huge problem. We need like I don't know. I, like what 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 it is is good coaches and good people around you and a good team and people who care about you more than they care about the the fifteen grand that they might be earning from your you know hundred grand paycheck. That's what that's what we really need. And I don't know that those people exist in MMA. That's the problem. And uh, this is not like. The, the, the problem with this sport, like, you cannot play around with this sport. You can't go in there and fight guys like Brian Ortega and Chan Sung Jung and, and uh, Corey Sandhagen and, 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 you know, tr- come out on skate. You just can't do it. Like, Frankie, t- last night was his 34th fight, right? His first 17 uh, at the halfway point of his career. He won 15 of those fights, one draw and one loss. His last 17, nine wins and eight losses. You know, if that doesn't tell you, like Frankie was the t- top fighter in the world, coming down away, a lot of people thought he might be the top fighter in the world, got, you know, close enough to a winter decision a couple of times with Jose Aldo, went to a decision with, with Max, or well, yeah, he did, he went to a decision with Max Holloway as well, but like, 9-8 and eight in his last 17, okay, there was a few close decisions in there, but that's not Frankie Edgar, that's not the, the dominant fighter we saw when, when he was coming through, and it's just, it's... Like it makes me sad that this, this sport can't do that. When we win, it, it'd be all, like it'd be all right if it was a sport where you're not. Every time you step in there, you don't have the worry that you're going to take a twenty-eight second knockout where you're sparked on the ground and people are looking at you and like, is he going to wake up? Like that's that's what happened last night to a guy who's fought for seven hours inside the UFC cage. That that is. That to me is is frightening. Like we, with this sport, there's a there's a very thin line between this sport being okay and not being okay. You know, a very very thin line. And I last night, I like I couldn't enjoy that knockout. I just couldn't enjoy it. I, I just it feels like it feels like that line had been crossed a little bit with Frank Edgar. And I might be going overboard here and stuff, but I don't know. It just affected me very badly with the whole Spencer Fisher thing and stuff in the last while as well. It's just and when, you know us obviously talking about Frankie and calling this, you know, and knowing that it was going to happen, it just makes it even fucking worse. But I don't know, I don't know. Um, well, Graham, you you give praise there to the knockout, but it was a very good knockout. We have, I can't go on here and just say, talk about Frankie the whole time. Great knockout for Sandeg, and he's right up there as well, isn't he? Right towards the top of the division now. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance from him. Like you can't take anything away from him. He did the job against the opponent in, in spectacular fashion, quickly, and you know he did all he could do. But as you said, it did kind of. You know, it, it it did kind of feel like, you know, if, if he had done that to, if he had done that exact knockout to anybody else, any upcomer, or, you know, if uh, any other the kind of top rank guys, mm-hmm. you w- it would have been much more lauded and celebrated as a beautiful knockout. But there was a kind of reaction of uh, Frankie, you know, people kind of have a, a soft spot for these guys that have been around for a long time and that have been champions and been kind of, you know, main eventers for a long time. And nobody wants to see Frankie, you know, Face planted, not moving. Every every time he fa- he faces a, a a top opponent, and you know <laughs> there probably is a route where he could like you know lay off sparring in the gym and fight some hand picked opponents and have a few more fights. But yeah, as you said, his days at the top level are like definitely well and truly over. Mm-hmm. I re- just I really really hope this is the end for Frank. I really hope he retires and he stays retired and and that's it. He. I don't want to see Frankie fight never again. I don't want to see him taking any more damage. He's he's done enough. He's got to the top. He's got enough opportunities to get to the top. That has to be that. That has to be that. But for Santagen, you know, as I said, a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful knockout. Like Frankie was kind of coming in for the takedown, and it wasn't when he was coming in for the takedown that Santagen 
knocked him out. It was like the step after he was coming in, he was like just lifting his head. And Sandhagen was so big and so quick. Like it was really the speed that killed him. It really was the speed. It was Sandhagen just like leapt up in the air. And Frankie was, you know, upright. And when he hit him with that knee and it was just boom. And that was that was basically it, you know. And uh, it was absolutely brilliant. Like obviously Peter Yan is fighting Aljamain Sterling coming up here in the in the next couple of months. Sandhagen is the next guy ranked after the, the two of them. Um, so, you know, does he wait out, see the, what happens with the winner of that? Um, I think he probably should, and maybe fight the winner of that. Obviously, he's lost to Aljamain in pretty spectacular fashion himself. So, it's that fight, maybe he'd probably be hoping for Yan to win, I'd say, so that he will definitely get the shot if it's Aljamain Sterling. No, he probably should get it as well. But it's going to be tougher, especially when you have the likes of Garbrandt ranked now at number three, which is a bit odd, you know. Uh, TJ Dillashaw is going to be coming back. You've Rob Font and Josie Aldo, Marlon Moraes, Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera after that. You know, so not many, I suppose, sticking out. But if there's a fight, you know, um, Dominic Cruz is fighting Casey Kenny here pretty soon as well. They're both ranked in the top 15. So if there was a spectacular win there, maybe even for a Dominic Cruz, he could be getting back uh, in there as well or up towards the top some. But um, Sandhagen after last night and after his performance was it was Marlon Morris wasn't he had his last fight, he's definitely um definitely staked his claim and definitely put himself like I think there's a clear kind of top three in that division now like when you look at Cody Garbrandt his next guy after that and I don't like Cody had a great knockout obviously there last year but I don't think Cody is is right there yet after his few losses so I think those three are kind of sticking out and I just kind of have the three of them fight it out and <laughs> that's. That's a few spectacular fights there because Yan versus Sterling is going to be brilliant, and I think you know Yan. If it's Yan versus Sandhagen, spectacular fight. And if it's Sterling versus Sandhagen again, I think that's a different fight this time. I don't think that's ending as quickly as it did the last time, uh, as well. I think Sandhagen has improved enough, and I think most people, even probably Aljamain Sterling, would would probably agree with that. So looking forward to seeing a band like Bantamweight at the very top. Bantamweight is is a murderer's role. Like the whole, all those guys I named, and even further down, like Dashvili and Stamen and Yadong, these guys are all really great. We saw it last night. We'll get to it in a few minutes. But like lightweight is the same. You've lads ranked in the top. You know, lads ranked at, at fifteen could be nearly fucking champions in other divisions. They're so good. They have so much quality. And one thirty five is the same. But you look at it, and all these lads have loads of losses even recently. But they're still really, really good fighters. It's just because the level of opposition is so good. So a fantastic uh, division there. Um, we might as well talk about the main event before we go down through the rest as well. The one thing that hit me with this main event that maybe I didn't take into account, and I definitely should have, it was definitely an oversight. But going back to Las Vegas... The cage just looks so much smaller with these heavyweights, you know. I was like, oh, five seconds into the fight, I was like, oh, Jesus. Okay, maybe uh, picking a decision here probably wasn't the best idea in the world. And uh, that turned out to be correct. I Like, I thought Overeem um, was doing a good job in terms of kind of trying to counter Volkov and covering up when Volkov came near him and trying to maybe stay out far enough from Volkov's reach to kind of stay out from the jab but once one or two of those jabs got in through kind of the gap in Overeem's defense and once Volkov found his range I think it was kind of over from then in the in that first round that nose uh, was uh, was was jabbed to pieces and like the right hand came after it obviously as well and Overeem between rounds looked like I don't know do you agree with this anagram but like to me over in between rounds looked like he was on the way out you know he looked like that nose was so bad and was hurting him so bad it looked like to me it was like one or two shots and he's gone and it was more than that he took a few and he kept going there but in the end Volkov just started throwing shots right down through the middle over him had no answer for it and, and that was that what did, what did you think I, I thought it was a very good performance from uh, Volkov what do you think of the fight overall? Yeah, I thought Volkov looked a lot better than I expected him to look. Uh, obviously, uh, he's a good striker, but, uh, you know, he's kind of been inconsistent over his career, um, even back to the Bellator days, but in the UFC especially. And Overeem's kind of shown that he's uh, adapted his style and able to kind of drag it along. But as you mentioned, the, probably a combination of the the small cage and the good performance and the job of Volkov was was too much for Overeem, and yeah, he, yeah, he kind of looked inevitable after uh, after the kind of first round that he he wasn't going to win this fight, and it kind of seemed inevitable that it wasn't going to a decision either. That it was just a matter of time before before Volkov put him away, and that's what happened. But uh, yeah, uh, brilliant performance for for Volkov. Uh, 
you know, it's a big win for him against uh, showing his striking acumen against against a good striker. You know, uh, good MMA striker, former kickboxing champion, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant performance from Volkov. But uh, yeah, over him looks low, <sighs> doesn't he? Yeah, I, I thought he looked a bit a bit old or a bit maybe some kind of injury or something. He looked a bit off. No, uh, anyway, um, he is old, but he has kind of looked. Um, he has looked good, good enough recently. So maybe it's down to some kind of bad, bad day at the office or an, uh, an injury, carrying an injury, or just I don't know, just got hit with a big shot and couldn't recover. But uh, yeah, I expected a bit more from from Overeem in the fight, but uh, taking none away from Volkov. Yeah, I think I think if you look at the kind of the combination of the small cage and the style, you know, the small cage is bad for heavyweights because they're so big. But in the style of like a long heavyweight, it is just a bad fucking combination, especially for a guy. You know, we talked about this extensively. Obviously, Overeem's uh, now defensive style, where he kind of steps back and looks for that big left hand when he's fighting out of southpaw, um, a lot more than he's done before. I think in this fight. The way it went, you know, we, we we could talk about, you know, and, you know, the McGregor fight, we talked about it till the fucking cows come home over the last couple of weeks, but he kind of came out and said it himself, you know, McGregor after that, that he needed to adjust and his stance wasn't right. And so I think Overeem needed to adjust in this as well. Uh, he tried to go for a takedown a couple of times, which I think maybe was a right adjustment to make and he wasn't able to get it. So credit to Volkov for that. But I think, especially in that first round, the output was so low against a guy who had a very high output and not only a high output you know sometimes we look at fights and their high output and it makes no fucking difference because they're not landing as effectively but he had a very effective strikes right, right down through the middle you don't bloody a guy's nose up like that and not have an effective strikes and there was just it was a barrage a barrage of kind of of tactics working for uh for volkov that everything over him kind of tried volkov had the answer for it and he was making over him pay and i think over him maybe at the, and i think he did try it a little bit but just trying to throw your hands and try to knock him out at that stage is probably the way to do it and i in fairness to him i did i did think he tried it but it was uh i think it was a little bit too little too late for over him at that stage um and uh he ended up falling down after a shot and and getting stopped one thing i have to mention here before we move on though and and b- before that even Overeem is one of those guys where I look I think his time at the very very top is probably over now again but as you kind of said there he looked off more than anything and at heavyweight these guys can you know take more damage give more damage keep going longer we've seen guys come back and back and back so you know if the, say the likes of Frankie lower weight class is kind of past his prologue we've seen it before we, we know the way and that's why I've always said it about Frankie this is the way it's going to go because we've known at heavyweight can be a little bit different at times. So I'd give over him a couple more, you know, shots to see if he can still come back. And you know, I fought a very good guy in tough circumstances last night. But uh, however, Jason Herzog last night, this stoppage was absolutely fantastic. Just really, really good. Uh, Danilo Marquez fight as well. I believe he was on that unbelievable stoppage. The second he went to sleep, he stopped it perfectly. Um... I think it was the Jane's fight, it was, where Keith Peterson had a fantastic stoppage, really, really good, and um, the Odie Osborne fight, the first fight, Chris Tyone, really good stoppage as well, absolutely fantastic refereeing displays here from those what, three or four guys that I named there. Brilliant. Every, every fight. Every fight. You know the Frank Edgar one as well. Obviously, all classed by Volkov, all classed by Santagin not going in and, and taking those uh, shots. But good refereeing. You know, there's four stoppages, five stoppages last night, and I thought the referee did a great job in, in every single one of them, to be honest. Just fantastic stuff. Um, the judging last night as well. I thought Jaron Vallel had a few cards off uh, last night, but I think other than that, I think judging was, was good uh, from top to bottom as well. But. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know I th- I had to say about the refereeing last night because it was just so good. I thought it, thought it was absolutely fantastic. But um, we will run down through a couple of the fights here on the card uh, as well. You can stop me, Graham, if there's anything, uh, <laughs> anything you want to, to talk about. Um, Clay Guida versus Michael Johnson. <sighs> Clay Guida is one of these guys who comes in there and you're maybe expecting him to look old as well, and he doesn't. You know, he's the same old Clay Guida going in bouncing around. Someone called him Chris the Sheep last night over and. <laughs> over on Twitter and he's like that um, you know bounced around the blessing got a win over Michael Johnson just Johnson is one of those fighters he's always been he's dangerous at the start and if you don't let him hit you early and kind of weather that storm you'll probably win the decision that's exactly what happened here so good win for uh 
Clay Guida. Let's talk about the, the next two. Um, we'll, we'll get to him in a second. But Danilo Marquez, I thought he looked good, looked strong on top. Got a really good rear naked jog, obviously, in the second round as well against a tough guy in, in Mike Rodriguez. But that was a good uh, performance for him and want to keep an eye on that light heavyweight division as well. When you have a ground game like that, you know, it's uh, it can be very, very dangerous. As we've seen, you know, but guys, say like a Glover Teixeira, who's used his ground game to, to really good effect. You know, like it's kind of a, maybe not a catch wrestling sort of game, but like a heavy top game. With rear naked chokes, with your uh, head and arm chokes and stuff like that, the big guys, big weight class like that, Jiu-Jitsu can be very effective uh, in that uh, sort of realm. But, however, um, Pantoja versus Manel Cape, um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good fight. It was one of those ones where <laughs> I think Rebecca Hitman tweeted, if Cape had just landed a few more shots. This could have turned from, you know, the 29-28 into a 28-29, you know. It was one of those ones where it was... He was jabbing well, but, you know, outside of the jabs, I thought Pantoja was just landing a bit more. You know, Cape was was well in there. I thought he was hurting him with a few of the jabs, but you can't just go in there and kind of lead the fight with your strikes. You have to put the strikes behind him as well to go in and take that. And I think... Even though he was kind of leading, and I know I think they read out the stats at some stage, and he had like only three shots less than him, and I think that's what it was. He was just landing a lot of jabs, but the kind of the power strikes after it were were the ones being landed uh, by Pantoja. Um, it was a very fast-paced fight, but I don't think Cape was just doing enough. Uh, and the late takedowns, you know, he the turnaround was definitely closer, and maybe they would have helped. He landed a few shots on the ground, but you know those late takedowns. Are not going to win you the whole feckin' fight after, you know, you kind of low output for the uh, for the first two and a half rounds. So, you know, I thought it was a good performance. Pantoja's a great guy. I know, Graham, you rate Pantoja very highly. I thought it was a good performance from Cape, but with a few adjustments, I think he'd be right there or thereabouts with the guys at the very top. You know, he's he didn't look out of place. He looked fast. He looked sharp. He looked powerful uh, against a guy like Pantoja, and I, I think he'd be back with a, another big performance. What did, what did you think of that fight? A good flyaway matchup, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, Pantoja was obviously uh, two rounds up, and Cape kind of made Cape kind of made a couple of uh, adjustments, but. Uh, it was too late, but yeah, he's you know he's not as experienced, and as you said, he he definitely has the a lot of ability, and it's it's he didn't look completely out of place or anything like that. So even in defeat, it was a it was a decent performance and something to build on. You know, he he did he did ha- do do some good things, but he he just needs to go back and kind of you know when you come up against somebody like Pantoja, who's been there and been in a lot of fights been around experienced and you know uh hard hitting like that it, it's uh it's no easy task and he, he made he didn't make a fool of himself or anything so yeah i think uh, he's definitely still one to watch uh as he grows in the sport you know he's still still very early in the in the game compared to some of the other guys he around him in the division yeah hundreds obviously he's had those big fights over in japan and stuff and you know he's beaten haraguchi hasn't he but he's as coming into the UFC as well, and you know, okay, we talked about Chandler there a couple of weeks ago, but I think it's a little bit different. Um, you know, coming coming over and fighting a big card in uh, in Las Vegas in front of no crowd as well. Maybe that's a little bit different, but yeah, I think he'll be back, and I think he'll be. I'd love to see him fight. You know, I, I know Matt Schnell won last week, but maybe get one more win and fight someone like a Matt Schnell. I think that'd be a good fight. Uh, but uh, there's lots of good fights from there at at one twenty five, and maybe even a, a Joseph Benavidez. I think he's fighting soon as well, so. Yeah, there's uh, lots of good fights from there, I think, coming up. Um, then my boy, Team Sheehan. And actually, before we start that, there will be a, an updated Team Sheehan, Team Graham podcast as our friend. Uh, oh, God. Someone, oh, you'll see it under the, the, the last podcast anyway. Evan Keevney, I think it was. It was Evan Keevney, I think, yeah. Sent us on the, the teams. Uh, so over on Patreon, in, I think, two weeks, we have... I'm, I don't want to say what we have coming up in the next two weeks. <laughs> I supposed to have it last week and then I failed to do it so we will have a big podcast on Wednesday and then we'll have one Wednesday after as well I've got a very cool guest lined up uh, so a couple of people have actually asked me to get her on so we, we will be talking to someone in the next couple of weeks as well but uh, and then the team Sheehan and team Graham will be updated I have a lot of changes to make to my team because my team is fucking gone to shit but anyway Benil Dariushta is serving team Sheehan very well this was a fantastic performance and a fantastic fight I think um Look, it was a close fight. I saw a lot of people were giving out about being a split decision. I had a 30-27 Dariush, but the first and the third were very, very close. They absolutely could have gone to, to Fahey. I think especially the first. Like, that that round was around where Dariush hurt him and landed the biggest shot around 100% with that 
body shot, the knee to the body. And he was kind of winning the rest around, apart from two parts in it. But those two parts were where Fahel landed big shots. You know, he heard Darius, the one thing about Darius, you know, we've seen his chin in the past, and that's obviously been his issue. But he just looks hurt. You know, a fucking a shot misses on Darius, and the way he moves his head, it looks like it hurt him. You know, he's just one of those fighters. You know, sometimes lads with long hair, it, the hair makes the shot look worse. It's like in pro wrestling, it makes them sell better. It, it things like that just happen. And Darius has one of those fucking faces, and one of those heads, and one of those bodies that just make it look like he's constantly getting hit and hurt by shots. Um, and I think that. That was an advantage for uh, for Fahey in this. But I think Darius's grappling was really good as well. Every time Fahey got on top of him, he went for the leg and he swept out with it. And he had more control on top, I think, than Fahey had in kind of... You know, I'm not I'm talking, talking about the scoring, I'm talking about like the, the tactical uh, part of the fight or the technical part of the fight. It's very similar to the first fight. You know, he got those takedowns. If anyone listened to the rewatch this week, got those takedowns in from the south opposition when Fahey moved there. But also from Orthodox this time, I think he did a great job of kind of moving to the right of um, of Fahey and when because Fahey kept circling to kind of to the left because I think that head kick was open a lot for uh, Darius as well. But Fahey did a great job of circling away from it, but which gave Darius kind of the ability to step to one side, catch his front leg from the orthodox position, and take him down a couple of times. And Fahey was obviously very good from the bottom at all times as well. But this was a you know, this was about a high level of fight, as you'll see, between two guys not ranked in the top 10. I think I think Darius is 10, Fahey is 13, or something like that unbelievable levels out of these guys the you know Darius is striking he well his striking looks brilliant at times sometimes he very much overreaches and kind of falls into strikes um whereas for here you know lands big shots he's obviously brilliant on the ground Darius is wrestling as well very very good I just I couldn't get over I, I know I'm a big fan of Darius but it was a very very high quality fighter and I really I really enjoyed it what, what do you think of this what do you think of my boy Benil's uh performance here in this one yeah, I, I probably had a thirty twenty seven for Darius as well. But as you mentioned, it was it was it doesn't really tell the story of the fight. Uh, there was some some big moments uh, and some really close rounds. And it was, it, as you mentioned, it was a it, it was a kind of you know very high quality grappling performance from from Darius. But Ferreira, like you know, he's no mug on the ground. He was able to. He was able to make it difficult for Darius, but I think, uh, yeah, we talked about it in the past. As long as Darius can avoid kind of big power strikes early, um, then you, once once he's once he's kind of past that stage, you kind of you don't have to worry about him anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> once he gets into the flow of things, and as you mentioned, he, he might kind of overextend a bit and kind of throw a bit wide sometimes. But uh, you know, he's he, he's so well rounded that he can he can kind of mix it up and take it wherever he wants. And I think his his fight IQ has improved over the years and. You know, um, even though there was, they were all really close rounds. He was never really in, in danger of losing this fight, uh, in my opinion. So I think it was, a, yeah, it was a really good performance. Uh, um, uh, obviously, he's uh, he's fought him before and kind of you kind of know what to expect in a way. But you know, a lot can change in a few years, and guys can kind of take take things that happened in the first fight and work on them and have a different plan for them. But it it, it did kind of seem. Like that, that hadn't happened. That it was just kind of like a similar or similar yeah, fight to it was before, similar, yeah. and similar. and that's you, yeah, that's you, that's you to Darius. So uh, yeah, fair play to Darius. He was able to get it done. Um, you know, it's it's still just can he take the big hitters punches early in fights? We we don't know, but hopefully we'll be able to see soon enough. Now he's basically earned his way back to uh to, to fight one of those top 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 top, top guys and in a top top division so like it would be no easy feat but uh he definitely has a he has abilities in in all realms of mma and can cause trouble for for anybody in the division yeah i think he's like he's done enough his six wins now in a row in that division you know scott holzman i think he's a very good fighter drakkar close we've seen is a really good fighter for is very good as well you know you know andrew dober we've seen how good he's been over the last while as well i feel like he's ready i feel like he's ready for a step up and he deserves someone I think in that top five, like if I call for Chandler, I think that'd be a good fight. And I don't know, I probably Chandler probably won't take that, but I think he deserves someone like that. He deserves, you know, like a Dosan just maybe, or or a, you know, Gaethje or, or someone like that. I don't know if whether he'll uh, whether he'll get it now or not, but you know, I saw a few people calling for uh, for the Felder fight as well, which is I don't know. I feel like the Felder fight. What does a Felder fight do for him? Probably moves him from number. 
10 to number 9 it's maybe. kind of step sideways yeah, yeah. it's I think he he kind of called for it. He was given out about it last night. And I think rightly so. I think he deserves a fight after that sort of win streak. But you need and you need as well. You can't just keep those guys. Uh, you know the the top five as the top five. You can't do that. You have to move guys on. You have to move guys forward. I think now is the time to move a guy. Dariush has done six six wins in a row. He has all the talent. He has all the skills. And you could make him one of those guys. And you know, imagine he goes in there and beats Michael Chandler on a seven fight win streak. You know, people are looking forward to that Paria fight. People are looking forward to the Charles Oliveira fight. You know, he's supposed to fight Charles Oliveira, and Oliveira pulled out of that fight. You can build off of that, you know. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, 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 obviously, I'm a bit biased because I, I have a soft spot for Darius. But the, I only have a soft spot because I think he's so good. You know, I, I've said it for a long time. I think he's probably one of the most talented people in that division all around. Obviously, he has big flaws in terms of his chin more than anything else. But, as you said, once he can get past that and get into the fight, his fucking wrestling is amazing. His jiu-jitsu is unbelievable. Look at him. Like, Fahey's jiu-jitsu is top, top notch. And Darius won the jiu-jitsu battles for fucking tw- uh, 30 minutes in in those two fights. And uh, that's that's a dangerous uh, dangerous man for anyone. So, very good. Um, on the undercard, then, four decisions, two finishes. Uh, Justin James's poor eye got fucking smashed to pieces after Devontae Smith nearly uh, choked him out in the start of the second round, I think it was, where, where he came back uh, from injury. Looked really good. You know, this guy is definitely one to keep an eye on. Just really good everyone. Keith Peterson, a great job as well. Had to stop that with the bad uh, with the bad eye. Um, and then the other stoppage was uh, Odie Osborne, who um, he caught the high kick. Uh, on his shoulder and then landed a big left hand right down through the middle and I think Chris Tyone did a great job coming in and stopping that Odie Osborne another one you know we spoke about him it wasn't too long since he fought I don't think and we spoke about him that time and a very very good performance from him as well um, Valayev and Chai had unanimous decision wins there as well there was a couple of 30-25s and 30-26 in there as well um, so yeah good performance from him and uh, Carl Rose as well over Jocelyn Edwards unanimous decision and then the Lara Procopio and Molly McCann obviously uh, fucking Everton had a mixed day yesterday <laughs> going in their trauma at Man United and then Molly McCann um, losing out here she put her gloves in the cage afterwards but I think it was her f- her father passed away a few years ago and it was his birthday uh, so that was it she's you know she's kind of said she's not retiring or anything so that was obviously people probably misconstrued that myself and everyone included I suppose uh, but I thought Molly McCann won the second round and a couple of judges gave it to her uh, from the bottom yeah. but other than that armbar was very close yeah, yeah. very very close that armbar looked very close it looked at one stage like it was, like it was done and uh, she re- she kind of looked like she'd lost it at one stage and then it looked like she ne- nearly had it again mm-hmm. but um, yeah, yeah besides that she kind of she kind of got dominated in the positional positional grappling realm but um, yeah it, things could have been very different if she had a, made slight adjustments on that, that armbar but um I think it wasn't. Yeah, I think it was, as you said, it was probably enough to win out a round. But the other two rounds were were definitely were definitely not hers. So uh, no no qualms about the decision or anything like that there. But uh, yeah, I think the second round, obviously she she was in a bad position for most of it. But you know, position doesn't really matter if you're if you're nearly getting nearly getting a finish. And uh, I think uh, everybody can agree that that was that wasn't just like an, an armbar that you throw up there to try and reverse the position. That was an armbar that was very close to a finish. So. Yeah, I think that round round was hers, but uh, wasn't enough to to win the fight. Yeah, she landed some elbows as well from uh, from her back. It, it, I think it was a great round to show with judging and the round after as well, actually, because that round she won that round on two of the judges' cards. I think I think I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Vallel that didn't give it to her. If I'm if I'm mistaken, I'm apologies, but the referee who didn't give it or the judge, sorry, who didn't give it to her, I don't think that was a a good card from him at all. But that third round. It was a similar sort of round, but it didn't have the armbar and it didn't have the the kind of the the shots from the bottom, uh, or if it did, you know, um, her opponent Procopio landed similar sort of shots, so I was able to win the fight. It's it's it's, I think that's very illuminating for someone, you know, talking about judging or if you're a fighter looking to see how you win rounds like that. That's a great example of it. It takes a, a maybe not a small thing, but like have one movement like an armbar like almost finishing the fight or maybe not even almost finishing the fight but having work like that even if you're on your back even if it looks like you're getting dominated from on top if your person if the person on top is not landing that many shots and you can get an armbar to you can land big elbows you can win that round and you know change this whole fight and if money McCann had you know a minute of good work in a similar way in the third round she probably would have won 29 28 here 
um, in a, while being on her back for fucking 30 minutes of this fight or whatever it might have been. So it's uh, it's an interesting way. But, you know, obviously an issue for Manny McCann getting taken down over and over the way she did and dominated uh, on top. And that's, you know, in one way, I suppose it's a blessing in disguise. It's something very yeah, with easy the to same, With the same kind of takedown yeah. as well, wasn't it? It was like the same similar takedown every time. And obviously she'll have to go back and work on that. And maybe she can close that, that quickly. But... Uh, yeah, it was a kind of easy route, easy route to to dominant position, and you you can't at the top level or even in you know even in the UFC in general. You, if you have if somebody finds that big a hole in in your takedown defense, they're they're going to exploit it, and it's going to be very difficult to win the fight. Obviously, as you mentioned, she she came close enough to winning the fight from there, but to be to be relying on pulling out armbars and stuff is a kind of a, a long shot move these days. Armbars aren't really exactly a as uh, as as high percentage as they used to be, so uh, all the, uh, yeah, it, she did she did well off her back, but I, I think you know she she would have fared a lot better in the fight if if she was able to defend those those takedowns uh, or at least make her opponent work a little bit more for those takedowns. Armbar, armbar, it's a long time since we've had an armbar. Long time since we've had an armbar. I haven't had the opportunity to say that, but uh, yeah. Look, uh, a, a solid win though for Procopio, definitely against a tough opponent like uh, like Molly McCann. Um, right, next, there's a big card next week. Before we move on to that, just for a couple of minutes here, maybe. I saw someone, you know, the, the uh, bare knuckle Paige Van Zandt, Chris Lieben was on there on Saturday night or Friday night or one of those nights. And uh, Barstool Sports also had this rough and rowdy thing, which is like just two random kind of guys fighting against each other and they you know they have all these mad fights and I, th- I saw someone talk about like the carny side of combat sports and it's kind of bringing it back a little bit um and it's it's it is true like i think uh, sometimes me at the start of my kind of fandom of mma when i got into it and i think because of the way mma was kind of looked like looked at at that stage where it was very much still especially in this side of the world in the uk i think especially it was like cage fighting whereas people you know like me and you are probably going well you get educated it's mixed martial arts it's you know in an octagon not in a cage and you know all this sort of stuff but there's always been you know the madness the whether it's the fucking akibonos or the cm punks or the bob saps or whatever it might be uh down through the year and bob sap was a good fighter don't get me wrong but you, you know what i mean like the, the madness or the early days of the ufc it, there's always been a bit of the carny element to come mma and combat sports and stuff um and i think like i i've grown out of that a little bit even though i kind of got you know i was never i got into the sport for the sport um but i always kind of enjoyed the fun of it but i think there's just so much to do and so much to cover and so much to talk about these days it's uh, like i'm not buying the fucking bare knuckle fights i'm not you know buying rough and rowdy even though i was (laughs) i love barstool and i love uh your, your man Billy Football against Jose Canseco, I think, was very funny. And Jose, I don't know how you take it. I do. You didn't see that, did you? Jose Canseco is like this, uh, righted up fucking baseball player from twenty years ago, and they're like, I'll call him a fucking rat and everything. It was very funny, but uh, he he got hit after like ten seconds, went down, and didn't get back up. And he said he hurt his shoulder and stuff, but it was uh, <laughs> you know, it's just the madness of that and the madness of the the bare knuckle. Is something which you know it kind of satisfied the needs, I suppose, of people who love that sort of side of the sport, and at times I do as well. But uh, I just thought I'd mention that you you didn't see the bare knuckle fights, did you? Like Paige lost. She as she said she got paid four hundred grand. I think Chris Lieben uh, won with a lovely knockout actually, and then he retired. Looking forward to his, who do who do you fancy Chris Lieben to fight in his next one? What what are, you, what are your thoughts on bare knuckle overall, Graham? Um, I actually didn't watch it this time, but yeah, it's 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 okay. It's not exactly what. It, what I'm into, but I can understand why people are into it. And um, if there's like two kind of like if there's an interesting matchup, like the, the Paulie and Artem um, matchup had a bit of intrigue mm-hmm. behind it for for a lot of other reasons, then I kind of be more into it there. But if it's just a couple of random guys fighting, I don't really or fist fighting, I don't really have uh, too much interest in it. But you know, if there's nothing else on and I'm bored, you never know. Like I might throw it on, but I'm not. <laughs> It's not like pencils into the calendar or anything like that. No, it's, it's like the the Southampton against uh, fucking Newcastle. Yeah, that's exactly. It. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm if probably there's nothing else going on. I'll throw it on in the background, kind of thing. I'm not. I'm not a great fan, to be honest, of the bare knuckle. I just think it's it's too rough. It's just too too much. I think. I think it oversteps the boundary. But anyway, um, next week's card. I think a lot of people were talking about next week's card, looking at 
the car that went on last night and saying well, that's not as good as it and one is $70 and the other one isn't which is, is very fair if you're over in America but the two of them are free for us so it's not too bad I believe I, I don't think it's on pay-per-view only I'm pretty sure it's not um and I think this is a pretty good card, to be honest. Well, on subscription, yeah. On yeah. subscription, yeah. Uh, it's a pretty good card. Look, it doesn't have the blockbuster come in. I mean, it was supposed to have Lieben, or, um, Lieben, uh, Weidman versus Uriah Hall, which would have been a very, very good come in event, I think. Uh, and Why isn't Gaslam the come in event? Yeah, that's what I like, was just thinking as well. Gaslam, yeah, it's strange. Yeah, it's very strange. I think they've, yeah, that, they've, that, that, yeah. they've been trying to promote Macy Barber as kind of the next big thing, even though she lost to Roxy. I think they're trying to put her back in there. And Alexa Grasso is big. She, yeah, I think she tore her tore her knee up in the start of that fight, didn't she, against yeah, she uh, did, yeah. Roxy? Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think they're trying to put her back into that spot. And, you know, we kind of know how good Alexa Grasso is. Like, I really like that fight. I think it's good. But, yeah, I, I agree. The comment of in spot for that. Maybe it's because it's Heinish. Maybe if it was Gaslam versus, you know, a Weidman or a Uriah Hall or maybe a little bit of a bigger name, it probably would have been a no-brainer. But maybe that it's Heinish. And I, that's a good fight. I like Heinish. You know, probably everyone listening to this podcast knows how good a fight that is. You know, Pedro Munoz versus Jimmy Rivera. Very good fight as well. Mackie Patola, Julian Marquez in the middleweight division. Bobby Green, Jim Miller. That has fun written all over it. Uh, Rodolfo Vieira against Anthony Hernandez. Balan Mohamed, Diego Lima. That's a fucking banger. Uh, Pollyanna Vienna, uh, Vienna, Mallory Martin. Ricky Simon, Brian Keller. What a fucking scrap that'll probably be. Um, Gabriel Green, Philip Rowe. Uh, Miranda Maverick against Ginny Robertson. I have a bit of a soft spot for Ginny Robertson. I think she's pretty good as well, so... Overall, you know, okay, it's not, you know, it's not name after name after name, but I think it's a pretty good card, to be honest, and uh, I don't think there's much to be negative of. Obviously, we'll get into the main event in a minute, but uh, what fight kind of, is there any fight on, on that, un, well, let's say 12 card, un, undercard that sticks out for you that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, well, I think the the Heinrich Gastelum one and the Rivera Munoz one uh, fight should be should be very good. Um, there's a few other ones there that could be good, like uh, Bobby Green, Jim Miller, I suppose. You never really know what way that's going to go. Um, uh, Jim Miller, you know, he's one of those guys that's been around for a long time. Um, you kind of, when these guys fight, you're anticipating maybe that this could be a, a, a sad one to watch. <laughs> but Bobby Green's not, you know, he's not exactly a young and up-and-comer. You kind of know what you get with him. But he has looked kind of improved recently. He used to be kind of... Trash talking as as taking when it, as he was taking a beating, but now he's now he's kind of calmed that down and focused more on um on actually landing strikes and the odd bit of trash talk is a little other way around. So yeah. although his, his last I mean, fight was a bit like that too, as well, wasn't it? He kind of he regressed yeah. a bit back into that, and that's why I think this is a really big fight for him, especially against a guy like Jim Miller. You know that Moises fight. It was a unanimous decision for Moises, but it could have been fucking the other way around if if he had just stopped bollocks in a little bit. But against Miller, I don't I don't know will he be able to do that. Like Jim Miller's a guy, I think he'd have to have a bit too much respect for to do that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's like you know that one. I see Bobby Green's a big favorite on that one, but uh, and rightfully so. But uh, I think it could be a could be a close enough rounds three three round decision for for Green if I had to bet there, but. With Miller, you never know. He could pull off some kind of submission, but I, I don't really see it in this one. Yeah. But obviously, the the main event is uh is, is the main thing on this card. It's a very good main event. Yeah, I'm well. really looking forward to seeing seeing uh, Gilbert Burns and Usman. Obviously, Usman has been very dominant, and Burns has kind of recently he looks like he's turned a corner. He's really come on leaps leaps and bounds, and he, I know he's been out for a little bit here, which might play against him. But you know, it, it might also mean that he's been you know improving ever more in the gym as well. So. Uh, yeah, he definitely has uh, roots to victory in this one more than uh, more than a lot of fighters who we've seen against those men in recent recent times. Yeah, it's funny. I, I sent out just before we started the podcast a, a thing for questions, and I Turner sent in a a, a good one here. Um, he said he rewatched Usman versus Masvidal this morning, and the pace controlled by Usman was something to marvel. Even with Masvidal's explosive bursts, uh, he didn't seem like Usman was ever flo- uh, flustered. How does that play out next weekend against Burns? And I think that's kind of the key to it, to be honest, because like. Usman against, in that fight, and Usman against Woodley, and to a certain extent even against Colby, he's just so comfortable in there, and like that Us- uh, that um Woodley fight, I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen a fight where someone was like dominated in their own realm so easily, in terms of like, he just took him down whenever he wanted to take him down, and it was like, just turning up to collect his milk, like, you know, it was, it was so... Just so easy for Usman. And you can tend to do it. And I, like, I think Colby's, a, say what you want about Colby being a dickhead, but he's a fantastic fighter. And okay, that was a tougher fight, but 
he did what he needed to do in that fight as well and was able to get the finish against Colby. You know, you can say what you want about it, but I think it was a good finish and he did, definitely did finish him in a fight where I think the judges had him winning as well. Uh, but I, I don't see Burns as on the same level as Colby, to be honest. And I think... Us- look, okay, Burns has different things. And I think Usman will be able to take him down over and over and over again, even though Burns is very good there. But the thing about Burns is his jiu-jitsu is unbelievable. And taking him down for five rounds in a row is a dangerous thing to do. And I know, okay, it's harder in the top level, and I've said this more than anyone, it's harder at the top level now to submit someone than it ever has been, especially when someone as good as Cameron Usman. But giving him 25 minutes to work there is a dangerous thing to do. Plus, if you go on the feet, Usman, like, Usman has been known, I suppose, to, um, to kind of take it a bit easy on the feet, you know, we all, all remember, what did he say, like, 70% punches, or whatever it was, whereas Gilbert Burns will come out and try to hit you with big, big punches, now, I think it's an interesting fight, because, look, I, I feel like Usman will kind of jab his way inside, Burns will be kind of maybe a little bit worried about the takedown, uh, and maybe not throw as big a shot, so you could see Burns kind of jabbing him up, and landing his one-twos, and being very defensive, which he's very, very good, I think his boxing is really, really good as well, uh, is Usman's, and he'll maybe, if Burns is to open up a bit, Usman might be able to get uh, a few takedowns, but, you know, I think that the problem with for, with for Usman in this fight, no matter what he does, He's in danger at all times. You know, if he keeps this on the outside and he's boxing Gilbert Burns up, Burns has that big shot and he could knock him out. You know, we've seen his, how much of his striking has improved. If he takes him down and dominates on top, we know Gilbert Burns. We know his uh, his jiu-jitsu is, is absolutely unbelievable. You know, some of the some of the best around in, in, in the UFC. Like, you know, obviously we've, over the last while he's, he's uh, knocked out loads of like knocked out Damian Maya got three or four knockouts previously in the UFC as well you know submitted Alex Oliveira with arm bars and stuff and you know, okay maybe he's not done it to the highest of the high levels you know okay TKO Damian Maya knocked, submitted Mike Davis and stuff like that he's going to need to prove he can do it to the highest of the high levels uh here uh, against uh against Usman it'll be interesting do you like what, what way do you see it going? Do you think that Usman can make this look as easy as he's made some previous... Like, he made the Masvidal fight look very easy, smooth and controlled. He made the Woodley fight look very easy. Do you think he can make it look easy against uh, Gilbert Burns? Yeah, I, I think he can, but I think it's more likely that Burns will put him in a, a spot of water a couple of times, especially if the fight goes long. Um, he, he's improved a lot on the feet, uh, but as, we, as, we, as you mentioned, his... his Jiu-Jitsu is definitely really top level. Like, you know, he's going in there and grappling bouts recently. Uh, not recently, but this time last year um, against people like Jake Shields, who's obviously a extremely good uh, wrestler or extremely good grappler in MMA. Mm-hmm. And he's going in there against people like Gunnar Nelson and Maya and, and even Woodley and, you know, winning easily. So he's definitely he's definitely uh, improved from, from when he was kind of at 155. Mm-hmm. Maybe the... The size thing. Usman is a big welterweight. Like that might be, he might be able to use this, the size and strength advantage. But I think, I think like you know, if 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 he takes his eye off the ball for a second or tries to get comfortable or tries to kind of um, sleepwalk through the fight like we've seen him do before, then he could be in big trouble. He could get caught with some kind of submission or even uh, even um, on the feet. But uh, yeah, no, I I I'd be picking uh, Usman to win the fight. But I definitely think that. I wouldn't be too surprised if Burns was able to pull up the uh, the upset. I think if he's going to win, he's going to win by finish. Uh, I think if it's going to go to a decision, it's probably going to be Usman uh, winning the majority of the rounds. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely more intrigued for this one than I than I am for most uh, Usman fights. Yeah, and obviously we'll have the uh, the betting show at the end of the week and all. But it's it's one of those ones where you know you, you could be looking at that. And I, there's probably a couple of good bets here. If you bet Usman by decision, maybe or or. Uh, burns inside the distance you know one of those two i think will probably win or uh, so uh you know it's, it's it's an interesting fight i i agree with you Grant. i'd probably pick burn um usman as well but burns definitely has a chance that's a it's a very very interesting one um yeah and overall a, a really really good card there's an lfa card on next week uh, as well uh, which is on fight pass if you want to check that out bellator have announced this week that they have an announcement coming next week uh, which you would think will be their events. There's been rumours of them coming back in, I think, early April, which is which is crazy. Four months into the year, no event. If you're a fighter, especially in this side of the world, you must be thinking, what the fuck is going on? You know, 
they were promising not too long ago six events a year, weren't there, or more in, in Europe. And now they're not having an event until April. Is one, are a couple of them, them events going to be in Europe? Are the European people going to be getting out there? You know, you'd hope so. I think um, I think I saw a couple of the European best fighters or UK and Irish best fighters putting up that they're going to get a fight. So, you know, hopefully uh, they will and hopefully they'll all be able to get out there. But I was talking to a couple of the, the European best Bellator fighters uh, over the last couple of weeks and they were very frustrated with the situation. So it'll be interesting. Cage Warriors as well have said that they're announcing some of their fights in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we might have a couple of them to talk about next week. Obviously, they have the trilogy announced for March, I think it is. And obviously, from the last show, they had that announced as well. So they're all kind of working from that date. Um, so yeah, interesting uh, interesting times ahead. Obviously, a lot of the Irish MMA fighters are in Bellator and in Cage Warriors. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where they will go. And... We mentioned Cage Legacy a couple of weeks ago as well. They're coming back uh, April 3rd, I believe, behind closed doors on pay-per-view. Um, I'll be, uh, we'll have more on that over the next while. Obviously, Ireland is in a very precarious situation at the moment, and hopefully all goes well, and hopefully MMA can get back on these shores very soon. So, um, One or two questions, Graham, before we go, and then we will uh, let it go. Uh, who do you think will get the title shot first from our good friend, Mr. Podge? Uh, Sandhagen or Volkov? I'd, I'd say Sandhagen. I think there's too much of a... Uh, you know, you've John Jones around heavyweight. You've Francis getting a shot here not too long away. I think it'll be... You You probably agree. You're Sandhagen. Yeah, I think it'll be Sandhagen, yeah. I think, uh, obviously, it's a very good performance from Volkov, but, uh, you know, uh, there's some serious hitters at the top of that division, and he, although he's just beaten over him, over him is, you know, in his 40s and kind of on the downturn of his career. I think he needs uh, he needs a couple more big wins for that, and in heavyweight, it's, it's hard to put two or three big wins together in a row with the with the impact of those big punches and how easily how easily it is to, to make one mistake and get your get your uh, your light shut, shut out or your or TKO or whatever so I think the, the safer bet would be Sandhagen yeah I, I agree with that um, who was it there that asked uh, who do you think Volkov should fight next who's that from hold on I'll, I'll find it in a second um, I, I, I think Ariel tweeted last night that Rosenstruck is fighting Ganya coming up and the winner of that versus Volkov, Ganya's ranked number seven, Rosenstruck number three, and Volkov number six. So I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, if, if Ganya wins that fight, he'll be probably towards the top five. Volkov will be probably fifth in the rankings uh, when they come out here uh, in the mm-hmm. next couple of days. So you know, I think that's a bit quick sense. for Ganya, though. Yeah. He's, he's no, he fought JDS in his last fight, and he's fighting Rosenstruck here. So you know, he, there's no slowing him up anymore. He's fighting the best guys in the world. So I think it's. You know, it's tough to know what to do with him. There's yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like a uh, uh, way you can basically put anybody together, but uh, I, th- I uh, for 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 Ganya, I think you know. Obviously, we're kind of going off topic a bit here, but I think you know these guys going in too quick at, at heavyweight is a bad idea. We saw what happened to Francis. We obviously Francis is rebuilding himself, but uh, you know he could be he could have been like a reigning champion for a while now if if things had gone a little differently. Obviously, you can come through these fights and you can win them, but uh, once you win them, you're kind of in a position where you know you have to step up again, and it becomes it becomes kind of a slippery slope of of, of <laughs> going to the top too quickly. And you know, I've improved wrong before. Like I said, the same thing about Cody Garbrandt uh, when he went yeah, kind of got too. his first title shot and won his first title. You know, I thought it was too quick for him, and he went out and won. But you know, even though he won, it looked like it was too quick for him because once you're the champion, then you got to fight the top guys and. You know, there's nowhere really to hide or yeah. to to slow your roll and to progress. So uh, yeah, I think I think I don't know who you give Volkov next, really, but you, I don't think you give him some an open comer. I think you give him a you give him a veteran. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe like Derek Lewis is ranked above him. I know he's beaten Derek Lewis, hasn't he? That's the problem at heavyweight. Everyone's fucking fought each other, so it's tough to know. You know, maybe if Francis loses. You give him Francis. Maybe if Stipe loses, you give him Stipe. You know, Carmier is coming back. Maybe John Jones. You know, maybe John Jones is looking for a fight there. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I think it's yeah, John be Jones. Yeah, that could be that could be an interesting one. You know, obviously Jones is. You could sell it as he's coming up against this bigger, mm-hmm. bigger guy, longer than him. He doesn't have that reach advantage that he usually has. All that stuff. Um, and it's a good time. You know, he's coming off a win over over Overeem, which is who's a a well known name. But uh, with Jones, it just kind of we don't really know what's happening. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see who they put him in there. Will it? Will he go straight into you know 
the top upper, upper echelon or really not. Uh, but uh, like, yeah, if they put together Volkov and Jones, I, w- I wouldn't be I wouldn't be displeased. I'd like to see that fight. But John, I think Jones needs a warm up fight. <laughs> I really, and I think he like him versus well, Derek Lewis. Is a warm up fight, though. No, I don't know. I think that's a tough warm up fight. Like I think Derek Lewis is a very easy warm up fight. You know, we saw what Carmia did to him. I think Jones will go in and destroy him, but like be used to kind of a heavier, bigger guy. I think that's a perfect fight for John Jones. And that's a fight as well you can kind of sell because people know Derek Lewis and they like him. And that could absolutely, like, I don't know about main event to pay-per-view. Maybe it could main event to pay-per-view. But, like, that's a that's a big fight for, for people that Jones would easily win and get him accustomed to the heavyweight division. So, like, I'm... I think Volkov is too risky, to, 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 to be honest. And if he loses to Volkov, like, Volkov, very, very good fighter. You know, we've seen last night what he did. But he went in and, like, he's not a name. And if he beats John Jones, you're like, oh, what are you replacing John Jones? And it's That's a, a risky one, but however. Um, all right, we'll answer all the rest of the questions on the Q&A. We'll be out Tuesday morning, all going well, over on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Man Podcast. If you're thinking about signing up, now would be a good time. Um, the, the start of the month was only about a week ago so we've lots of stuff up uh, you know, I think there's what upwards of 800 posts all together up there 750 or something podcast and you can go back and listen to every single one of them for the price of a pint uh, for the next one so sign up thanks everyone who's already signed up and a lot of new people obviously over the last couple of weeks and whatnot we uh, we really appreciate you also head on over to Manscaped uh, use the promo code SEVEREMA 20% off and free shipping uh, best of luck to the uh, Liverpool lads today hopefully beat, uh, beat Manchester City and bring Man United back into the title race but uh you know, best best of luck anyway, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Right, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Sure, Man United, we're never in the we're never in the title race. What are you talking about? And all that's <laughs> left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week. It's coming back. The inspirational quote of the week is back. I've decided. Um, sometimes what you're looking for comes when you're not looking for it. See you next Tuesday.